0: Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of the Drop Pass Podcast. There are only a few days remaining until the playoffs kick off, and next week I will publish my playoff preview as promised, so remember to come back again next week to hear my take on the cup hunt. But today we got an action-packed episode in front of us as we continue where we left off last week and deal with the remaining prospects from the top three north american pro leagues meaning the echl ahl and the big one the nhl but as usual before we jump to prospect talk i will quickly go over the burning headlines from the past week because 13 out of 16 teams have now cleansed their spots but are still jostling away for the home advantages for the playoffs meanwhile the last teams in the race are fighting for the last remaining tickets to the dance so there's still some action left before we move on to actual playoff hockey. But once we've gone through the newest headlines and covered the remaining prospects, it is time to close the book when it comes to 2022-2023 prospect watch. And of course, there will be an entry draft episode before the name calling officially starts in June, but regarding NHL-affiliated names, that will be it for this hockey season. But that's about it. Thank you for being here, remember to rate and follow the podcast on every platform you can find from the internet. It is totally free and do not hesitate to lay feedback in my DMs if you happen to have anything on your mind in regards to this podcast or the person currently running it. DJ, roll out the intro so that we can get this thing going and there it is, so without Further ado, let's get go. Okay, so the 13 teams that have secured their spots for the postseason are currently the Bolts, Rangers, Leafs. Devils, Canes, and the Bruins from the East. Meanwhile, Knights, Oilers, Kings, Stars, Wild, Avs, and the Kraken are the nominees for the playoffs from the West. Teams that still remain on the wild car race are Panthers, Islanders, Penguins, and the Sabres from the East, plus Jets, Flames, and the Press from the West. but In just a few short days, we will learn which of these seven teams will advance to the actual postseason itself. This year, the production has been off the chain since we've already witnessed eight players reaching the 100-point mark. And currently, Mikko Rantanen, who reached the remarkable 50-goal mark just a couple nights ago, alongside Elias Pedersen, Eric Carlsen, Jack Hughes and Mitch Marner, stand just a few points from the 100-dots. So... There is a real possibility where we witness over 10 players having plus 100 points. Which is pretty damn wild because last time that happened was back in 1996 when 12 players reached the peak 100 mark. And what's even more wild than that is the fact that Connor McDusty dangles just few nights ago past 150 points. And join the historical club which features legendary names such as Phil Esposito, Mario Lemieux, Bernie Nichols, Steve Iserman and the great one himself of course. Like it's a total joke that a guy can record almost 2 points per game in the current NHL and to be so much beyond everyone else production wise that their plus 100 seasons seem almost laughable compared to his total. And just to be clear, his mate Leon Dreisadl, is the second highest scorer with 124 points, so the difference is even bigger to the other guys on that list. And I mean, like, seriously, words can even describe his dominance this year, and he's just hitting his prime years, so what more could he even achieve before he turns 30? And I know that the cup is still missing from his resume, and without that, some people won't even take part in the GOAT talks. But the same argument was used against Ovi before he won the cup, so is it just a matter of time before we can really ramp up the discussion of him being the best player that the world has ever seen, regardless of different eras? I certainly think that it's already a valid topic to bring up, and due to their tremendous individual seasons, I think that they have still plenty of gas left in the tank for the playoffs. So, like I said in the season preview, I think that McDavid's obliteration mission is in full progress and that he will continue to dominate in the playoffs and take the Oils far regardless of the others involved. Drysdale can be counted towards his budget, but those two will be enough to win at least two rounds in the playoffs easily. But... So that you wouldn't get a flawed perception from my words, the Oilers are currently 9-0-1 within their last 10 games and have only lost twice in the last 15 games, so the heater is currently on and perfectly on time for the playoffs, so it's guaranteed that their home barn is going to be animalistic once the puck drops for the first time for playoff hockey. But like I said, multiple names reached the 100-point mark this year, and amongst that group was first-timer trio of Jason Robertson, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and David Pasternak. Robertson also became the first star player in the franchise history to accomplish that, which is somewhat surprising taking into account that players such as Mike Modano, Brad Richards, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan have worn the star's jersey and been league's elite offensive talents. But yes, Robertson already broke Modano's previous single season record when he scored his 94th point of the season. And it's remarkable how quickly he has become such an elite talent on the NHL level. Because, like seriously, this is his third full season with the Stars. And he was a second round pick back in 2017. So, in that sense, my opinion is still that he is still criminally underrated superstar in the league. And should earn way more respect because he really deserves it at this point. Because, you know, like, it shouldn't take back-to-back-to-back 100-point seasons before hitting the big headlines. Because these new generation superstars are becoming elite talents at a younger age than ever. And I get that these guys need to prove their value. And just one good season isn't necessarily enough to be considered as an elite NHLer, but... For example, when you look at Robertson's track record, rookie season, 45 points in 51 games, sophomore season, 79 points in 74 games, and only 2 points behind the team leader in points, in addition to his this year's total. I think we can agree on the fact that he isn't going to be a bottom 6 player in 5 years, so could we give more credit to these young bucks who deserve it and who have taken over the league in just recent years? Thank you. And when it comes to Rnh, I get that he's playing the third fiddle in Edmonton behind Dreisel and McChesus, but we need to start giving him some credit as well because consistency has become his middle name. And I'm really glad that his work ethic has finally paid off this year and he doubled his last year's point total. This will be his second fully healthy season in the Oilers' uniform since his draft, so. That has played a big part in his successful season and I think that slowly the bust label will start to fade away on his part because after all, he's the fifth highest scorer amongst his draft class and only three other names that have been able to reach 100 points in a single season are Nikita Kucherov, Johnny Goudreau and Jonathan Huberdeau amongst guys like Landis Kog, Sibanejad, Shifley, JT Miller and Chanko turie so although it has taken some time for him to reach Denmark, he's undoubtedly benefited from McDavid's and Reisadal's presences because they've taken most of the pressure off of him and he's been able to work in the shadows behind the league's to superstars. And even is signed until 2029 to a very team-friendly 5.125 deal, so it could become a real bargain if he keeps producing on this level and anchors down their second line. After all, he was heavily criticized after being the first overall pick back in 2011 while not showing real signs of becoming this kind of elite talent on the next level. But now that media as well as the fans have almost started to forget his presence, he's been able to work in these shadows and put up respectable numbers within the past three to four years. So there's no doubt about the fact that without these two guys, this wouldn't have happened because of multiple different factors. But that's pretty much what I had in mind considering these two gentlemen and when it comes to other 100-point names. In addition to McDavid and drysettle we have Tambas Nikita Kucherov, Florida's workhorse Matthew Kitchuk, and Colorado's Nathan McKinnon. And that will be the stat check of the week. In other news, we saw a few signings last week in which we are going to go into just in a moment. And on the injury front, we finally heard some positive news for once as both Boston's Taylor Hall and Colorado's Gabriel Landeskog had made their way back onto the ice, although both are expected to make their returns once the postseason kicks off. Bruins don't even currently have the cap space to activate Hall from their LTIR, but it really isn't anything critical since we all remember the case Kucherov and the bees are anyways raising some of their top players, so in that sense, it isn't anything groundbreaking. While for the Avs, it's a real gain to get back their captain for the upcoming postseason run because he's been over point per game in their back-to-back postseason appearances and brings his physical net from presence to their top line which will be beneficial for the team that is aiming to repeat their last year's success they've started to heat up just like the Oilers, Rangers and the Bruins as of late and are currently 8-2 in their last 10 so Like I said in last week's episode, I couldn't be more excited for the playoffs because you can almost feel the electricity around the league caused by the small margins, superb individual seasons and the big trade deadline itself. So if you haven't started to heat up your stove, now would be the perfect time because the postseason is just around the corner and we don't have to wait long after the final regular season games are over. Before the puck drops again for the first time for playoff hockey. Also, I gotta point out Lucas Raymond's milestone since just a couple nights ago, he became the third youngest Red Wing in the history to reach 100 points in his career. And when you consider the fact that they've had names such as Lidstrom, Dachuk, Shanahan, Howe, Dion, and multiple others on their roster. You got a tip your cap and start to realize that although his sophomore season hasn't been as fruitful as his rookie year, he's still producing big numbers on the scoreboard on nightly basis. So there's absolutely no doubt that the Wings wouldn't have an elite forward in their hands for years to come. And this milestone was just a concrete evidence of that when looking forward. One extension and two entry-level deals were also given last week as the Jackets signed their former first-round pick Yegor Hove to a one-year 800k deal. Meanwhile, the Penguins signed their goalie prospect Joel Bonquist to his two-year ELC and defenseman Luke Hughes joined his brother in New Jersey after getting eliminated in the Frozen Four semifinals just like the headlines told you beforehand. And as the last note, I want to point out that the NCAA phenom Adam Fantilli was just awarded with the Hobie Baker Award, thanks to him winning the scoring title in the NCAA and his overall phenomenal season. So if Bedard is the clear-cut number one of the upcoming draft, I'm starting to sense that the second pick won't be that hard either because although there's Michkov and Carlson in the mix as well, Fantilli's this year has just been so impressive that it would almost be idiotic to let him walk to another team after the first two picks. But with that being said, that is pretty much all I had in mind considering the latest stats and headlines, so now we will change the gear and head back to the prospect world where we will take a glance at the upcoming names that have represented their brands across the three top North American Pro Leagues. And before we head there, I need to just quickly point out that in regards to NHL, we are just going to stick with the first-year players, so to say meaning players that would be eligible for the Calder Trophy, so don't expect any major listings when it comes to NHL prospects, because at the end of the day, I wouldn't necessarily label guys playing in the NHL as prospects anymore, but since we have pretty nice rookie class in our hands, we might as well check their progress before our season debriefs, which are coming up in just a few short weeks. So you might hear a few honorable mentions here and there, which are directed to mostly sophomore players, but... That's pretty much going to be it. And just like last week, before we change the topic, we have to hear words from our show sponsor. But after that, there's nothing stopping us. So sit tight and listen to what DraftKings has on offer for you this week. From tea to green, the best place to go get in on all the action happening on the links is DraftKings Sportsbook. This week new customers will receive an odds boost to add plus 1,000 to any pre-game wager up to $10 on any golfer to win. So for example, if you are a new customer and you see a golfer to win the tournament at plus 1,000 odds, DraftKings will boost that golfer to plus 2,000 odds for your shot at a bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boost all tournament long. So. Be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day before the tournament starts to see what they have in store. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN and boost your odds during this weekend's tournament. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. Or visit gambling helpline ma.org. In New York, call 877 8HOPENY or text HOPENY 467 369. In Kansas, call 1 800 522 4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Okay, then it is time to head back to the prospect world and first on the board is going to be the East Coast Hockey League, where the top point-getters this year have been Chicago's forward prospect Cam Hillis and Golden Knights 5th round selection Patrick Gay with 52 points each. Hillis has really blossomed after arriving to Indianapolis in October and was recently called up to Chicago's farm team Rockford for the first time to test if that production translates to AHL level. But at least so far, that hasn't been the case and he's only been able to record two assists within 14 games with the Hogs. Vegas Big Gay, on the other hand, is coming off of a plus 100-point season in the queue and at least so far, he's shown glimpses of that in the coast as well, but there's still a long way to the NHL, especially if he aims to land a top 9 scoring role on the next level. One of the most surprising names from the coast this year has been Detroit's 2019 7th round selection girl to who came to the US last year, but only now has been able to showcase his skills on the North American ice, and a 47-point total from 31 ECHL games with Toledo. Is extremely decent for a guy that really doesn't appear on the headlines which cover the team's top prospects. And I fully get that, given his late draft status and somewhat unremarkable first year overseas. Phyllis DM prospect Mason Millman has been rock solid for the Reading Royals this year with 44 point total from 62 games, but since he has struggled to really break into their AHL roster, there are some concerns about his NHL upside, but certainly this year gives him something to build upon when the next training camp starts in Philadelphia. Calgary's OHL stud Rory Kinnear has continued his strong form after being assigned to the AHL late last year, and a 34-point total from 35 games could suggest that he could find his place on their AHL lineup next year if he's able to convince their bench bosses with the scoring upside. And same goes with his Russian counterpart, Ilya Nikolaev, who's had a strong debut season in the ECHL with 32 points in 37 games. And he as well belongs to a group of young players that could be lurking for a spot on their NHL roster. But once again, there's still some work to be done. But the initial signs are promising. There's no doubt about that. In the blue paint, Stars goalie prospect Remy Poirier has had a tremendous rookie year in the States. And an overall save percentage of 0.919 between the cheese toast and the A is pretty convincing, especially for a first-year player with only 20 years on his gas tank. Also Vegas' right-handed netminder, Isaiah Saville, was able to keep up his great form from the early season until he was called up to their AHL roster. Where the numbers haven't really been as flattering than in the coast, but the 22-year-old Alaska netminder, has a strong track record and time on his side, so we'll see if those AHL numbers will turn around once he gets more games under his belt. And the last notable name from the coast is Detroit's top goalie prospect Sebastian Cosa, who has received a healthy amount of criticism within the last two years due to less than attractive numbers from the AHL. But now that most of the regular season games have been played, The Hamilton native has racked up a 0.913 save percentage and 2.52 goals against average from 43 games. So the criticism might have been premature if he ends up returning to his WHL numbers. And at that point, we could once again begin the talks regarding the best goaltending prospect of the 2021 draft class. So those are pretty much the main names that pop out from the ECHL. And next we will head on to the big leagues where we got a bunch of young bucks that have twinkled during the 22-23 season. So just to clarify, I'm going to be grouping up both the AHL and the NHL since pretty much most of the guys that are going to be featured have played some games in the bright lights. So it would be pretty unnecessary to go through both leagues individually because we can just tackle them both by going over the NHL teams that they are currently representing. And if a player has just appeared on the AHL eyes, I will be pointing out that fact as well so that we don't have any misunderstandings here. But let's start from the top, where the first team of this week's episode will be the Anaheim Ducks, whose notable rookies have been called our candidate Mason McTavish and goalie prospect Lucas Dostal. McTavish has had a tremendous rookie campaign, where he's been able to grab home 16 goals and 26 assists in 77 games for the Palmipeds, who have been on the top of the league pretty much for the entire NHL regular season. Dostal, on the other hand, has seen ice on both sides, the AHL and the NHL, but the story has been pretty much the same on both sides of the coin. The Gauls are in the AHL's basement and have been miserable throughout the year with only 20 wins to their record, but regardless of that, he's been able to rack up great numbers on his stat sheet despite the situation he's currently in. And a save percentage of 0.912 from the AHL and 0.901 from the NHL tells you that he is certainly not the one to be blamed for their shortcomings this season. He has solidified his spot as the next in line in California, so expect to see him getting more minutes up top once the Ducks head to a brand new season next fall. In Arizona, the big AHL name this year has been check forward Jan Jannik, who currently has 23 points from 28 contests and could be looking to solidify his ice time up top next year again after a few short stints spent with their NHL guys. And when it comes to their first team, pretty much the only name that earns some extra credits is last year's surprise name Matthias Macelli, who has continued his strong form, and in his sophomore season he currently has 10 goals and 35 assists from 60 contests, so it's easy to say that he's there to stay. And has earned every right to be considered as one of the top upcoming names of the Coyote squad. His agility, speed and hands have created lots of trouble for the opposing defenders, and his playmaking ability has been something to watch throughout the past two years. so the Yotes fans should be pretty excited about his future in the desert. Then we cross to the Eastern Conference where the first team on the board is going to be the Boston Bruins whose only remarkable representatives will be Swede, Fabian Lussell and Czech forward Jakub Blauko. Weissel started his season off with excellent numbers but pretty much after his dreadful U20 tournament his production has cooled off a bit and is currently rocking in the AHL with a stat line of 36 points from 49 contests. And like I admitted during the Alex Codden episode, I'm a big fan of his, so even though his form has experienced a small hit since the calendar flip, I'm not going to lose all hope on his part and expect to see another convincing year from him once the current season is done and dusted. Lagado though, has seen some minutes on the NHL ice this year, and although his 17-point total from 35 games in the AHL isn't anything magical, he's been able to grab home four goals and two assists in 21 games up top. And it certainly brought lots of energy to B's fourth line during the last portion of the NHL campaign. So in regards to these young bucks, I'm expecting to see them more often on the NHL eyes next year. Because the bees don't have that many big time talents coming up their ranks and both of these guys fill up holes on their roster. So certainly these are names that you should look out for when considering potential NHL upside. Buffalo has seen its fair share of upcoming talents this year, and the brightest of them have been names Coolidge, Levi, Quinn, Power, and Peterka, supported by a duo of UP Lukonen and check forward Lukas Rusik. Rusik made his NHL debut a couple weeks ago and was able to tuck home his debut goal in his first shift while adding one apple to his stat sheet, so. The 2019 sixth rounder is really looking to become another difference maker for the Sabres within the next few years. Because in the AHL as well, he's been very prolific with 15 goals and 55 assists in 67 games, which only strengthens my previous point. And when it comes to his Czech native, first rounder Yuri Kulich, nothing else can describe his first year overseas than word spectacular. A couple weeks ago, he became the highest scoring 18-year-old in the AHL history with 22 tucks. And with that, past guys like Nylander, Pasternak, Fiala and Hedel, who are the big names on that list below him. And although most of the guys mentioned previously have fewer games played in the AHL than Coolidge, it's still a remarkable feat for a guy playing his first North American games in his career. And when you add to those 22 tucks, 22 apples on top, you start to understand that we might be dealing with a future superstar on the next level. I've praised him multiple times in this podcast, so I've been really happy about his success on the next level. And quite honestly, the future of this team could be something out of the storybooks when you look at their current state, plus the names that are just entering the NHL slash AHL ice in the very near future. So yeah. The Sabres fans could finally start to see some light at the end of the tunnel if all these stats keep developing the way they've been throughout the past few seasons. And just so that the tar pumping wouldn't end there, there's still a few rookies that need some credit, which are first-round talent Jack Quinn with 14 goals and 22 assists in 70 games. First overall pick Owen Power, whose stat sheet shows 4 goals and 30 assists from his first 74 NHL games, plus German hound J.J. Peterka with 11 tucks and 20 assists in 72 regular season games. And I just gotta say that Owen Power is going to be a stud for the Sabres, because he has just started his NHL journey and has already been one of the better defensemen on the roster, so the combo of Rasmus Dalin and Owen Power could be the best in the league in a few years, and that is not even a joke. And so isn't their newest NHL net Devon Levi, whose tires I've already pumped in last week's episode. But let me just remind you that he's the real deal. And although his numbers took a big step back thanks to allowing six goals against in a game against the Wings, it's part of the process and he's going to face multiple nights like this in the future. So the big picture is what counts here. And because the guy has his head firmly between his shoulders, there's no doubt about his success in the NHL. Plain and simple. Calgary as well features some promising names such as Wolf, Pedersen, Poirier, Zari, Pelletier, Rusichka, and Devers. So it wouldn't be surprising to see some of these names on full time NHL roles on the next level if they end up making big changes in the offseason. Wolf has been absolutely brilliant yet again on the AHL eyes, and quite honestly, I don't know why he hasn't seen any NHL action despite the wall seasons of both of their netminders. Because he's played 52 games for the Wranglers and has 2.08 goals against average plus 0.932 save percentage from those games. So it's just mesmerizing how they haven't already promoted him to their NHL roster after two elite seasons in the jungle. He's after all one of the more highly touted names when it comes to crease protectors. So... How long does it take until he gets his chance in the bright lights? Yeah, Vladar has given them the chance to fight for a playoff spot and you can't just throw Markstrom to the waivers. so that's probably the biggest issue currently, but nevertheless, you as well can understand that it's just a matter of time once he makes their roster and starts his climb up the NHL elite goalie totem pole. His teammates, Matthias Emilio Petersen, Jeremy Poirier and Connor Zari have also had solid seasons in the AHL and are on the next wave of future flames alongside Pelletier, Duer, and Rusicka. So one could say at this point that there is a logjam jam behind their NHL roster because the team should be capable enough to drag home great results. But since that hasn't been the case this year, it has forced them to a tough situation where they have promising names on their pipeline waiting for their chance to break into NHL ice. But Due to their current contract situation, it's unlikely that they will make the jump before they address the situation and move away a few guys in order to free up space for these young bucks. After all, sense: 43 points total from 58 games, Poiriers 41 points from 64 contests, and Zari's 57 and 67 could suggest that they would already be in their lineup due to their great results from the AHL ice. So it's a tricky situation and the next offseason will be very telling in regards to this situation and on top of that, the names that have got their taste of NHL action, Pelati, Brusichka and Dewar, are most likely going nowhere given their performances on the NHL ice. So the question arises, could we see another big turnover in Calgary once the current season is in the books? Pelletier 7 points in 23 games is very decent for limited ice time. Krucic 20 points from 44 games and Dewar's 11 in 25 also support that, so on a wide scale, we can safely say that they are in a decent spot regardless of their current struggles. But all in all, great performances from these guys, so their future seems to be in good hands, at least when it comes to up-and-coming names. In Carolina, the two notable names end up being goaltender Peter Kochetkov, whose numbers have dwindled down a bit since his reassignment to their farm team, plus their center prospect Jack Brewery, who has spent his year pretty much in between the top two leagues. Kochetkov has posted impressive 2.39 goals against average and 0914 percentage on the AHL ice, And in 24 NHL games, his numbers don't fall too far from that, so like I've said previously, He's going to be their next starter and there's no doubt about that, but given the fact that both Ranta and Anderson have improved their numbers during the last part of the NHL season, he most likely won't see any playoff action if injuries don't end up hitting the team in the most crucial part of the NHL campaign. Drury has 6 points from 34 contests on the NHL ice, and his 24 point total from 37 AHL games is a strong proof of his future upside with the Canes, so... Just like many guys in Calgary, he as well is just waiting for his chance to solidify his spot on their top 9, which could honestly happen already next year if he keeps on improving his game like he's done in recent years. Their second line center spot is still in the air, so he just pretty much needs to take the reins and prove to rod the bot that he deserves that spot. But due to Jesper Gotke's improvements, it could become a harder task than what it would have been before this season, but we'll see what happens. Because the upside here is that he can play on the wing as well, so it's pretty much just a question of where he's going to fit once his name is stapled on their first four forward lines. Colorado, on the other hand, hasn't seen many other top names making any major moves in the top leagues. And pretty much the two names that stand out are their third round pick Sean luc Foudy and goaltending prospect Justus Annonen, who has really shined this year with their farm team Colorado Eagles. He has posted 2.66 goals against average and 0.913 save percentage in 39 AHL games. And it is starting to seem like he is becoming accustomed to the North American playstyle and now gets to really showcase his talents which we already saw during his junior days in Finland. Some already labeled him as a lost cause because of the underwhelming first years in North America but... As I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, I had full belief in his success in North America because the talent usually doesn't just disappear from these types of guys and due to the fact that confidence plays such a big part when transitioning to pro hockey, sometimes it just takes time to get it and in this case it is fully on display so the abs will have a great asset in their crease for years to come because... I know that their goalie coach, Jussi Parkila, will give his best to transform the Finnish prospect into their first-string netminder in the future. as well as shown on the AHL ice, and has 35 points from 42 games, which enabled him to make his NHL debut. But so far, that production hasn't translated to the NHL ice, and from nine games, he hasn't goose egg on his stat sheet, but. Anonen is really a name that you should follow if he hasn't already made your watch list until now. Columbus though, as one could expect, has featured lots of promising names on their NHL squad and that representative bunch will feature names such as Johnson, Vick Marchenko, Blankenberg and Tarasov. In addition to Cole Salinger and Yegor Shinahov, who both have had underwhelming seasons in the bright lights. Johnson belongs to the Calder conversation thanks to his 40-point total from 75 NHL games. While the former second-round pick Marchenko has showcased his goal-scoring upside by notching 21 tucks in 55 games on top of four apples. And I don't recall a moment where rookie stats have been this one-sided, but luckily most of his points are goals which are hard to come by, so if Liner doesn't end up stretching the goal-netting on one night, we can be pretty sure that the big Russian winger is going to do that if the opportunity presents itself. Great Swalensky has also seen some time in the NHL I but so far. Zero points from seven games decorates his stat sheet. But in 56 AHL games, he has 67 points, so could this end up being another case of too good for the AHL, but not good enough for the NHL due to multitude of factors. One of them, of course, being a smaller frame. And... I don't have an answer to that question, but I'm really interested to see because he has proved his scoring ability on multiple levels now. Nick Blankenberg has also seen good minutes on the NHL ice partially thanks to Wierenski's absence and a 14-point total from 36 games. It suggests that he sees more minutes on the top level again next year. And what has surprised me the most this year has been hands down the fact that he has laid out guys out of nowhere. And given his 175cm, 79kg frame, you wouldn't necessarily expect that, but at least some guys have learned that the hard way when carrying the puck up the ice with their heads down. Daniel Tarasov has posted decent numbers in their crease as well, and the harsh truth is that this year doesn't really tell the whole picture because the team has been eating grass the entire way, and the goaltenders most nights have been left on an island, so we'll see if he's able to drag up his numbers next year and the team ends up giving the support that he needs. But this year, the major letdowns have been forwards Cole Zillinger and Yegor Shinahov, who both were assigned back to AHL a couple weeks ago in hopes of them gaining back their confidence because either of these first-round names have been able to reach the 15-point mark. And after all, both guys have spent the majority of the year up top, so GM Kekalainen can only hope that they find something from the AHL during the last portion of the campaign or otherwise it could create some doubt about their future within the entire organization. They are still young and have lots of miles in front of them, so the situation isn't that alarming, but you can just blatantly discredit their this year's performances because there are hungry guys coming after them, and if they want to keep their spots, something needs to happen or they get eaten alive, so to say. On the flip side, though, David Yerichek's first year overseas has been a major success with 36 points from 50 games with Cleveland. And even their new NCAA signing Carson Kuhlman has been able to notch two points in his first nine pro games. So it is an all gloom in Ohio despite the bad season overall. But in order to find any success in the future, the team needs to start building the winning culture. And the only way to do that is by winning. So once this tanking operation is finalized, they must start making moves to become more competitive because otherwise they are going to stay as a mediocre franchise like the Sabres have done until have been put in place. And that will be all regarding the Blue Jackets this week. In Texas, the four names standing out have been newly promoted Blue Liner Thomas Harley, Agile Goalscorer Antonio Stranges and sleepers Matei Blumel plus Frederick Olofsson. Blumel registered his first goal with the Stars earlier this year, and Ulafson has currently 4 points from 28 games with limited minutes. Minola Harley's 34-point total from 66 AHL games is already impressive in itself. And if there ends up being openings on their blue line next year, I'm more than sure that he will be the name to take that spot, because he pretty much already has his foot in the door due to his high draft status and impressive couple seasons in the O and the AHL. Stranges is the wild card here, who has shown his scoring upside on every level he has played thus far, and a 9-point total from 14 AHL games could suggest that there is a big year lurking in the shadows if he gets to play big minutes in Texas next year. So good progress for these guys as well, and next we head to Detroit, where the most notable names so far have been defenseman Simon Edvinson and forwards Jonathan Berkren, Elmer Söderblom, and recently signed Carter Mazur. Edvinson was very recently called up to their NHL roster and in 7 games he's been able to light up the lamp twice. Meanwhile, from the AHL he carries a 27-point total from 51 games. Berggren's first year in the Bright Lights has been a success and although 28 points in 63 games isn't anything life-changing, it's been good to see him getting the minutes he deserves and we can only expect bigger numbers from him going forward due to his great results from the SHL as well as the AHL ice, He has brought skill to their lineup and you can only imagine the carnage that a trio of Berggren, Larkin and Raymond could cause on the next level. So, although there's still room for improvement, this year has brought a lot of promise for the Wings fans. And as I said, we should expect great results from his sophomore season already next year. Söderblom has recorded 5 goals and 3 assists in 21 NHL games, but... On the AHL eyes, he has struggled a bit offensively, so same thing applies to him, where there's still lots of room for improvement and a future in their middle six is not yet out of the question by any means, even his frame and skill set. And finally, we got the guy who impressed in the U20 World Championships as well as the NCAA, Carter Mazur. And so far, his professional start has been outstanding because in four AHL games, he's been able to record two Genos and two Apples, so by the looks of it, there's another big piece growing in their system for the future. Who could look to make their NHL roster already next year if his trajectory stays in course throughout the offseason? In Edmonton, we meet few guys that have stood out, which are Ryan McLeod, Clem Costin and goaltender Stuart Skinner and his tremendous .911 save percentage. McLeod is slowly starting to find his game on the next level and in his second full season in the show, he's been able to pass his last year's point total in 15 less games, while manning their third offensive line. And like I said previously, I feel like he has more to give than what he's been able to show thus far. And as a good example, we have his teammate Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who we already talked about today. So I feel like he's just going to keep improving and garnering even bigger peace when it comes to ice time. And same goes with Russian Klim Kostin, whose second full season in the NHL has withheld 21 points from 54 games. And these two, in addition to their top names, have been reasons why the Oils are considered as one of the cup favorites this year. Costin has brought a new skill slash grid element to their bottom six and just like with McLeod, I feel like this is just the beginning for him. And even though he wouldn't develop into a 50-point second-line guy, I fully believe that he will have a fruitful NHL career. And I think that is exactly what the Oils are as well hoping for. And like I mentioned, Stuart Skinner's year has been fantastic and the fact that he's been able to take their craze from Campbell is something most of us didn't probably expect before the puck dropped for the first time in 2022. Now though, pretty much the question will be, what are they going to get from him in the postseason? Is it going to be Jake Ottinger's performance or more like the Mike Smith treatment where nerves start to get hold of him? It's an intriguing aspect to follow, so let's just keep tabs on him and see what the outcome eventually ends up being. Florida's only notable member in this category is going to be Alexi Heponiemi, who's had another great year in the AHL with 43 points from 59 games. But his inability to break into their NHL roster is still the big concern to me, since 3 points in 10 games with limited minutes is pretty respectable, at least for me, so how long? Does he have the patience to be in this spot before he jumps the ship and says his farewells to the Panthers organization? We wait to see, because they have to manage their cap space this offseason, which could eventually open up a spot for him or Gregory Denisenko. but we'll see. Currently, the outlook isn't that good considering the long-term plan between him and the Panthers, because the Cats are pretty much in a win-now mode and they most likely want to prioritize players that have already experienced. While the other guy I want to shout out is going to be their goaltender Alex Leon, who has already multiple seasons from the top two pro leagues on his belt, but since this year, quite literally, he's been the one reason why they are still in the playoff hunt. Given the weak performances from Bobrovsky and Knight's personal issues, I wanted to shine some light on his way as well at this point. He has 7-3-1 record from 11 games up top and a save percentage of 0.916. So another aspect that we should look out for is their starting net minor role if they end up making it to the postseason from the east. LA sophomores, Jordan Spence, Quinn Byfield, Sean Derzy, and Arthur Kalyev haven't shown any signs of sophomore slumps and have continued to grow their game the further the NHL season has evolved. Spence has 42 points from 53 AHL games and could be looking to break into their top 6 next year if any spots open up. Well, I stat line from the NHL is 21 points from 50 games, while Dursey and Kaliev have both beat their previous single-season point totals in less games, so especially Dersey is looking like their future offensive blue line catalyst who still needs to work on his defensive game in order to become a real top 2 D-man on the next level. Minis party stars this year have been Swedish net Jesper Wallstedt and Philip Gustafsson, in addition to first-round prospects Marco Rossi and Matthew Baldy, on top of blue line prospect Caelan Addison. Wallstedt has had a tremendous rookie campaign in the AHL with 2.64 goals against average and 0.911 save percentage from 35 games plus a goalie goal. While Gustafsson pretty much has entered the best in the chat because of his tremendous 0.932 save percentage and 2.03 goals against average for the wild. So already next year we could see a full on Swedish partnership in their goal. And I also have to give myself some credit because I was onto Gustafsson upside prior to 22 campaign. So it's looking pretty good on that front in Minneapolis. And their forward core seems to be in pretty good shape as well when we look at the progress of both Baldy and Rossi. Baldy broke the 30-gold mark last week and has an impressive total of 61 points from 78 games, so my tire pump didn't seem to go to waste, while Rossi is on point-per-game pace in the AHL and is looking to break into their NHL roster again next year, which didn't unfortunately happen already this year. And lastly, we gotta give some credit to Kalen Addison who's been able to put up 28 points in 60 games from their third pairing. But on that same note, we also gotta point out that there's still plenty to work on when it comes to his defensive zone game. So, all in all, good progress offensively but still plenty to work on before he passes the likes of Spurgeon, Domba and Brodeen on their totem pole. I've been pumping the tires off my Habs prospects throughout the year but... Since we are once again in the topic, I might as well still point out a few facts that I might have missed in the previous episodes, which are Jesse Ulonens, Justin Barron's, Emil Heinemann's and Anthony Richards' progress, on top of Rafael Harvey Pinard's surge and Cole Caulfield's rocket start. Most of these guys got promoted to the first team once the injury wave hit the Habs in the midst of the regular season, and so far, they made their marks on the next level with decent contributions. Ullonen has 16 points from 36 games and was almost on point per game pace in the AHL before the call-up. Barron has registered 14 dots in 36 games in the big league. Richard's total shows over point per game from the A, plus 3 goals and 2 assists from 13 NHL games. While Rafael Harvey Pinard has broken into the NHL scene with a bang, with 14 goals and 6 assists in 33 games. Is he the real deal? is the question around the league, and so far, it looks to be that way, but once the Habs get their first-string names back in their lineup, the ice time could start to diminish pretty quickly, but certainly, this stint has provided them another great option going forward, which shouldn't be just ditch once the next season rolls around. Samuel Montembeau has also taken a big step this year, and a proof of that is his above 0.900 save percentage. Meanwhile, their Swedish acquisition Emil Heinemann has led up the A in his first six games overseas with six ducks and one apple to go along. So promising signs in Montreal all in all. Nashville as well has introduced a handful of promising names to their first squad, which have exceeded expectations and are becoming part of the next wave in the Music City. Tommy Novak is hands down the biggest name of this class with 41 points in 47 games. And the first question to ask here is, is this guy for real? I already introduced him to you in a previous episode, but that point total in a team that has been hit with injuries and overall mediocre production is something very impressive. Will he be in their top six after the offseason? By the looks of it, it could happen absolutely absolutely. And same goes with other top names such as Tomasino, Evangelista, Pärsinen and Glass if they end up selling this summer in hopes of a brighter future. With the emergence of these guys, their outlook has quite drastically changed since first we heard talks about a full-on rebuild. But given that these guys have been able to step into the ring and perform, the topic has shifted from a rebuild to a retool. So... It's about to be an intriguing offseason in Tennessee. Tomasino has 18 points from 27 games up top. Parsons' production has quieted down a bit since his first call-up, but 23 points from 32 games is still extremely decent total. Evangelista's 13-point total from 20 games has surprised many fans around the league. Meanwhile, Cody Glass has gotten his chance to prove his top-six upside after a successful AHL campaign, and that has led to 33 points in 68 games. The trajectory is climbing on his part as well. Also, their number one goalie prospect Yaroslav Askarov made his NHL debut this year. And from 45 AHL games, he has 2.71 goals against average and 0.911 save percentage. So, he's coming up nicely. And even their first round pick Joachim Kemel has found back his offense since arriving in North America. And a total of three goals and four assists is a noteworthy aspect when looking at their next year's roster's outlook. So, very good progress has been made in Nashville despite their shortcomings in this year's regular season. In New Jersey, the big name this year, of course, has been Jack Hughes, but Dawson Mercer has been almost automatic within the last 30 to 40 games and pretty much has transitioned from, Hi, it's very nice to meet you, sir. Two, she calls me daddy as well, and that should tell you a lot. He has 55 points from 79 games, and with that, their top 6 is starting to look even more dangerous than what many would admit. Meanwhile in the jungle, their third overall pick Simon Nemec has had himself a nice rookie season with 10 goals and 17 assists in 60 games. And a former third-round pick, Graham Clark, has also found his offensive touch by putting up 24 goals and 31 assists in the span of 64 AHL games. So, NHL debut is bound for him as well, as you could already imagine. So, all in all, tremendous progress across the board, and especially on their NHL front, where many guys have stepped up. But since they aren't rookies anymore, they will be dismissed from this week's episode. In Long Island, the only notable youngster has been their defensive prospect Samuel Bolduc, who has racked up a total of 35 points from 56 games in the AHL. And from 14 AHL games, he has one goal and one assist, so he will take his spot on the top six most likely already next year, once their current season is done with. He's an underrated two-way defenseman who seems to fit perfectly to their current defensive-minded system, so he could be the perfect guy to co-pilot their second pairing alongside more offensive-oriented Noah Dobson, which to me seems like a good pairing for the future. Rangers have a couple of D-men as well, who made some waves, which are undersized two-way pivot, Jack Jones and a physical specimen, Braden Schneider. Jones has a total of 8 goals and 22 assists from 50 AHL games, and in 16 AHL contests, he's been able to record one goal and one apple to go along, so the competition for their third pairing spot on the left side is going to be fierce next year by the looks of it. Meanwhile, Schneider is quickly becoming one of my favorite demon in the show due to his physical edge and rock-solid defensive game, but while having those attributes, he can also put up points on the scoreboard and an 18-point total from 78 games isn't anything to be ashamed of, especially while having the D-zone as your first priority. And before we move to Ottawa, I also have to acknowledge the seasons that both K-Andre Miller and Capo Kako have had since. Both guys to this date have doubled their single season records and are becoming even more crucial parts of their roster, so that's off to those guys as well. He do cut his star pump already last week, so he won't get the spotlight in this week's show. In Ottawa, their goalie prospects are coming up nicely and due to multiple injuries. They've introduced a couple of their top names to NHL action already. Meanwhile, the standouts from their NHL squad have been forward Shane Pinto and Ridley Craig, plus first-year defenseman Jake Sanderson. Pinto is currently rocking with a total of 20 goals and 13 assists, and I need to remind you that this is just his first full year in the show, thanks to previous injuries. Greg is also going to be another useful check of all trades for the SenS squad, and 9 points from his first 20 NHL games gives lots of promise for their front office. Meanwhile, rookie defenseman Sanderson has had contributions on all fronts, and his 29 points from 74 games is just the pure beginning for a successful NHL career. In addition to those guys, Russian forward Yegor Sokolov has had another impressive AHL season with 55 points to his name from 67 games. So he could get another goal next year with their first squad if he ends up impressing in next year's training camp. So good progress once again and one of the teams to look out for once next season kicks off in October. Philly is much the same way. Tyson Forster, Morgan Frost, Samuel Ayrson and Cam York have stepped up and are becoming part of the next generation Philadelphia Flyers. And in addition to those guys, newly added Emil Andre has shined within five games by putting up four points in total. Meanwhile, his fellow countryman Adam Jenning has transferred his responsible defensive game to North American ice and currently rocks with 18 points from 63 games and a massive plus 22 plus minus rating. So, some could say that there's still some hope left, although very little because of the hurricane that is currently shaking the entire franchise. Forster's 44-point total from 60 games in the AHL, plus 7 points from 8 NHL games, indicates that he has his name carved out in their locker room for next season. Morgan Frost has found back his offense in his second full season, and a 43-point total from 77 games could also pass some fans if they haven't been keeping notes. Meanwhile, Cam York's production has dropped a bit since our last update, but 19 points total from 15 NHL games and 13 points from 28 NHL games give some hope for their fan base for a brighter future for sure. Also, Ersen's just below 900 save percentage from 12 games isn't anything to be ashamed of, especially given that the team has been throughout this year one of the worst teams defensively so. He could be the number two option behind Hart once the Flyers are ready to take the next step towards being competitive again. So although this year yet again has been another crapshoot, there's still few glimmers of hope. So let's hope that they don't drain life out of these guys and they can be the difference makers amongst few others once the next page turns in the city of brotherly love. Pittsburgh's representatives this year are going to be defenseman Pierre Oliver Joseph and Finnish forward Waltteri Pustinen. Pustinen is finalizing another successful year in the AHL with 53 points total from 67 games, and he as well is checking the clock in regards to his first long stay in the NHL lights. Meanwhile, Joseph has finally concreted his place on the pen's top six and although his 21 point total from 72 games isn't anything that would break the headlines, he's been responsible on both sides of the puck and his skating and puck moving ability have been big adds to otherwise quite old and sluggish defensive core, not taking into account few exceptions, for example Chris Letang. San Jose's last mediocre year has led to them introducing another bunch of young talents to NHL hockey, and amongst that group have been former second-round pick Thomas Bordalo, first-round choice William Eklund, Russian prospect Donald Gustin, plus newly acquired Jacob Peterson and Martin Kaut. Bordalo adds another prolific season to his resume, as he registers 41 points in 64 AHL games to his stats, plus one apple from four NHL games. Eklund's stat sheet shows 41 points from 54 AHL contests, Plus two goals and one apple from eight NHL games. Meanwhile, Augustin's stats sheet is decorated with one goal and one assist from two NHL games, plus 40 point total in 64 AHL games. So, pretty solid numbers from these guys already. And when you add to that Peterson's six point total from seven NHL games and Couch's five point total from nine games, you can say that those guys have used their chances effectively. And this way, increase their chances of staying up top once the next season is in the headlights once again. And finally I also have to give credit to two of their top blue line prospects Henry Thrun and newly acquired Shakir mukhamad because Thrun has been able to notch two apples in three games for the Sharks in the NHL and mukhamad stats show seven assists in his first eight games overseas for the Barracuda. So by the looks of it There should be a plenty of reasons to be hopeful for as a Sharks fan, despite the rough patch they are currently experiencing. Seattle's three notable names are defenseman Riker Evans, who has a solid total of 42 points from 66 AHL games, glittered with a nice plus 20 piece on the plus minus column. Midseason acquisition Ailey Tolvanen, who's already beaten his single season point record just in Seattle by two points, And of course the color favorite is Matty Beniers, whose 54-point rookie campaign has been nothing less than outstanding. And there really seems to be no doubts about him becoming their number one center for the future. St. Louis has also seen few pleasant surges despite the underwhelming season they've had. And the most notable names on their group include goaltenders Joel Holfer and Vadim Sharenko, forward Nikita Alexandrov, and defenseman, Tyler Tucker. Offer was recently added to their NHL roster, and from five NHL games, he has a solid 2.79 goals against average and .915 save percentage. Meanwhile, his AHL campaign followed same guidelines as the ones before this one, and a goals against average of 2.56 plus save percentage of .919 from 44 games almost screams future starter numbers. Like I've told you a couple times before. His backup, Vadim Ghost numbers aren't that bad either. Since from 24 games, he has a 2.96 calls against average and 0.918 save percentage, show. the crease seems to be in good hands, even if they decided to let go of their current crease protector, Binnington. And when it comes to their two remaining names, Alexandrov and Tucker, to put it simply, they were convincing enough to land spots on the top level. And in there, they've completed their assignments while adding few dots to their stat sheet, which don't break any historical remarks. So not bad year for those guys in Missouri in conclusion. Tampa's only notable name prospect-wise has been their Swedish goaltender Hugo Alnevelt, who has dragged up his numbers quite massively in his second year overseas, and a save percentage of 0.910+. 2.61 2.61 goals against average from 31 games in the AHL is starting to remind us why he had some hype around him once he ended his European journey in 2021 and moved across the big ocean in order to become the next backup for Andrei Vasilevsky. Toronto, on the other hand, holds multiple names that need some credit, and from that bunch, we find names such as their Argusinchev, Timmins, Holmberg, Aberzizi, and Wall. In addition to new acquisition Topi Niemela, whose scoring concerns have started to quickly dwindle down after posting two points in two games for the Marlies after his change to North American ice. SDA has continued to produce on the AHL level, which led to him making his NHL debut this season with the Leafs. And the prior can also be said about Nick Abbruzzese whose 44-point total from 66 games with the Marlies led to him getting two games with the big boys, and in those he was able to snatch two assists, so he is starting to close down the big door as well, like Nick Robertson has done. Meanwhile, Pontus Holmberg has spent the majority of the season up top, and from 37 games he has 13 points in total, so. While the main reason for his long stay has been his responsible and energetic two-way game, he still possesses hidden offensive upside so If he gets a chance to play with the big names in the next coming years, we could see a jump in his score sheet. Meanwhile, Joseph Wall has been amazing this year on the AHL level, with 2.37 goals against average and 0.927 save percentage from 21 games, which has led to five starts in the bright lights as well. And there, the numbers have just kept climbing because from those five contests, he has taken home 2.02 goals against average, 10.927 save percentage. With that, he sticks another fork in the goalie equation, which seems to be a yearly event in Toronto. And given the recent rumors regarding Matt Murray, the claim is well supported. So, we'll see if he gets to stay with the big boys next year, or we see another goalie carousel after another postseason appearance. In the Canadian West Coast, Vancouver to be specific, we get only one name that needs some attention because I already pumped Andre Kuzmenko's tire, so there really isn't need for that at this point. So the only guy pretty much remaining is Latvian goaltender Artur Silovs, who's posted similar numbers in both the NHL and the AHL. He has 40 games on his belt in the A, And in five games for the Canucks, he has saved Bucks with 2.75 goals against average and 0.908 save percentage. So I think he needs a mention at this point because at the end of the day, he's currently rocking with best numbers amongst their netminders. So you shouldn't just ignore that fact despite less games played than the others, which of course affects their numbers. There's no doubt about that. But since we are talking about goaltenders, I might as well continue on the topic as we got next the Vegas Golden Knights, who got two tendees worth mentioning, which are Jake Native Yeri Patera and Calder Challenger Logan Thompson. Patera has played two games for the Knights this year with 2.50 goals against average and 0.9298 save percentage. So if the Knights end up having goalie trouble like they've done this year, is for sure one name that is ready to take the responsibility. And his AHL numbers aren't that bad either. Because from 30 games, he has a 2.93 goals against average and .908 save percentage. So, even though those could be improved, I've seen worse, and the NHL stats increase the overall view. So, we are just going to move past it. And I pumped Thompson stars multiple times this year, so I think there's no need to do that anymore. But just to conclude his this stats. He has a 2.65 goals against average and 0.915 save percentage from 37 games. So one thing I can say with confidence is that it's going to be extremely interesting to see who eventually will be their starter in the playoffs. Because Hill and Thompson both hold fairly similar numbers, but Quick has the most experienced out of these three. But his numbers are, how could I say professionally, inferior to both of them. So we'll see. But regardless. They have plenty to choose from if one or two of their starters ends up dropping the ball when it comes the most. In addition to those guys, we got forwards Paul Cotter and Pavel Dorofeyev, plus Russian defenseman Daniel Miromanov, who stepped up this year and hold decent stat lines from both the NHL as well as the AHL. Carter has brought extra scoring threat to their bottom six and has 18 points from 54 contests. Dorofaev was recently introduced to their NHL squad and from 15 games he has 7 goals and 2 apples so he's starting to look like a future top 6 winger for them. Meanwhile Miramanov has been depended upon probably more than expected ahead of the season but he's been delivering by putting up 6 points in 14 NHL games plus 22 dots in 31 AHL games while being very responsible on both sides of the puck. So, While people tell you that they don't have any prospects left, they're still few and they are slowly making their way to the NHLI. So, bump the brakes on that, although the prospect bank has decreased tremendously. But that is the price you need to pay if you want to acquire big-time names to your roster. In Washington, the only notable name can be found from their blue line by the name of Vincent Iorio, who's had very decent rookie season in the pro circles with 19 points to his name from 58 AHL games plus one apple from three NHL games, so by the looks of it, he could be one of the next names on their top six that stays there for good due to his reliable and effective defensive game. And lastly, we got the Winnipeg Jets, whose three names this year have been defenseman Declan Lanchish-Holm and eternal prospect Villa Hainola, in addition to my Calder Dark Horse, Cole Perfetti. In all story starting to become old at this point because once again he's had a tremendous season in the AHL with 32 points to his name from 44 games, but he's only dressed in 10 games for their first squad, and in those he's added just one assist to his score sheet so it really could be time to part ways with the team and to start looking for a new destination, just like Yusuf Aleemaki did last summer. And he might not be the only name departing from Winnipeg because allegedly their other dN name. Logan Stanley had also asked to be traded on the deadline already, but that didn't lead to anything, so the Jets could lose two young defensemen this summer, if nothing drastic ends up happening after this NHL campaign. Declan Chisholm has had a great year offensively in the AHL with 43 points from 59 games. and Enkel Perfetti's 30-point total from 51 games belongs to the top end of the rookie class. And the stats could be even better if he wouldn't have gotten injured in the midst of the regular season. But despite that, he's undoubtedly going to be a next-generation playmaker who's going to be one of the top names on the team in scoring in a few years. So while he couldn't reach the best producers in the rookie class, there's still no doubts about him becoming an excellent top-six player for the Jets for years to come. But that pretty much wraps up the rookie rundown. And if in your opinion, I happen to miss any names, please point them out to me, because that wouldn't surprise me one bit, given the pure amount of players I had to go through within these two weeks. I hope you enjoyed. And just like I said in the beginning, next time you stop by, you are going to hear my playoff previews for each first round matchup, plus my this year's predictions. So if you haven't already, Press the follow button and put on the notification so that you don't happen to miss the next very exciting episode covering the best postseason in professional sports. Thank you so much for listening. And more than anything, thank you for your continuous support. Go check out the media handles from the description and drop a follow to show your support for the show. Have an awesome week, you beauty. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.